All right, everyone, uh, welcome back to Seth Spins. Uh, this is the third episode, and I just wanted to start off by apologizing for my voice. Um, it's a little bit under the weather, but hopefully we can get through that. Um, hopefully I don't cough directly into the microphone, but you know how it is. Um, so I've got a couple things today. Uh, it's just me, by the way, this time. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit just about some bands that I'm interested in, um, and then start going into um, the idea of if album covers actually matter when it comes to enjoying music and um, whether that impacts how much it means to you. Um, and then I want to go into a playlist that I'm making specifically for this podcast, which should be pretty exciting. And lastly, I just want to talk about um, sort of music organization and how you put all of your playlists and album, you know, your favorite albums and all that kind of stuff together. So um, just want to go ahead and start out by talking about a few bands that I'm interested in. Um, starting off, um, Fleet Foxes. So this is a mid to late 2000s folk band that I have really enjoyed for the last couple of years. Um, they started out in, I believe, 2006 with an EP called Sun Giant, which is just incredibly beautiful, if there's a lack of a better term, but, um, it's just really nice, soft folk music that, um, it's really calming, it's great study music, and it really, um, just sort of gets you in the mood to be creative, it has sort of that artistic vibe that lets you, you know, think about, like, like, let's say you're watercoloring or something, it's like the perfect soundtrack for that, if that makes sense, um, but from that EP, there's a song specifically called, uh, Mykonos, like, the city in Greece, which I think is an incredible track, which I think anyone should listen to if they're interested in that genre. Um, But um, going off of that, their first actual album was called Just Fleet Foxes, self-titled album. Um, And its album cover is this Bosch painting from the 1500s that I have no idea what the name is, but if you're interested in that, it's actually an incredibly beautiful painting. Um, But all of these songs are just... um, I guess very tranquil. It's a little bit different from their later records. Um, oh, uh, Shelby just reminded me that it's Mykonos and not Mykonos. So, you know, we're, we're trying our best over here. Shout out to Shelby Sims. Um, <laughs> but uh, for that debut record, it's just very tranquil music. It's very happy. Um, kind of sounds wintry in a way. Um, so it's just kind of like something to enjoy just very simple it's not really something you think much about when you're listening to it but um one of the songs i really enjoy off of that uh record is called white winter hymnal um probably heard of it at least once you may not recognize the name but it's something that i think most people have heard um so look into that if you're interested um and then their next record is called helplessness blues and it's from 2011 and it's not as sad as it sounds, but um, it's just a really great sort of reflection on your mid-20s and sort of trying to find yourself going into that portion of your life. And I think anyone, especially our audience here, would find that record to be really tangible and really interesting given where we are right now. Not, not even necessarily as college students, but just in the world thinking about, you know, all these different political movements and all of all of the different things happening culturally that have changed our views on so many things lately. Um, so that one's really, really great. Um, a couple of tracks I like off of that album are um, 
the the track itself, Helplessness Blues, from the album title, and uh, Simsala Bim. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's also a really great track. Um, Shelby will let me know if I pronounce that correctly. What's the album title? Um, Blues. But um, that one's really incredible. It's a little bit more um, down tempo than the last one, but I think if you enjoy a little bit more of like a songwriting angle rather than a musical angle, I think it's something that you would really appreciate. Um, apparently I pronounced it correctly, so uh, one for two, that's that's pretty good. Um, but uh, their last album that came out in, I want to say, 2016 is called Crack Up, which is a very interesting album title. I have no idea what it means. Um, but it has a very different, like, alternative folk approach, which I did not expect when I first listened to it, because that's actually the first one of theirs I listened to after I got into them, like, it came out after I knew of the band, so I didn't know what to expect. Um, but it has a very sort of different approach to the genre as a whole, whereas um, the other albums are very more, like, typical folk music that you would, you know, expect to hear. This has very, like, whispery vocals, and uh, it almost sounds kind of orchestral in a way, so it'll have big rises and falls in the music, um, almost kind of sounds like it has overtures in a way. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but that's just what it sounds like to my ears. Um, and then I believe that band is coming out with a new record in 2020, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but yeah, Fleet Foxes is the name of that band. Uh, I recommend all of their work. I think it's all incredible, and I hope that if you look into it, you might enjoy it. Um, so... Another band that I've been listening to a lot lately, I mentioned it in the last podcast, but um, The Strokes. Um, The Strokes are a garage rock band from right around the turn of millennium, so right around 2000 and so, Um, and they sort of single-handedly revived the garage rock genre because for a long time, ever since around the 80s, popular music shifted very much so towards a synth pop direction and pop in general with the advent of like computer production over backing bands um so around 2000 this group comes out and their uh head person their vocalist is called julian casablancas and he has a really sort of raspy voice but it's also very well toned um it's a very interesting voice that i haven't heard in a lot of other bands that i think people would really enjoy if they got to listen to it um but he's very well known he's been seen for like 20 years and it's just a very interesting individual um but his first record with the strokes came out in 2001 um and it was called is this it um and it's very typical garage rock but it has this incredible sense of like pace So when you're listening to it, it's only like, I want to say it's only like 30, 35 minutes, but it feels way, way longer, but in a way where you immediately want to listen through all of it and then listen through all of it again and again and again, because it's just so like compact and well-made. Every track has a place. There's not a single bad one there. um, And I just really appreciate it for what it does. Um, So I really enjoy that record. Um, And they sort of, immediately became this massive pop culture icon after that point and so they tended to capitalize on that a little bit with their next record which is called room on fire 
which is essentially the same sort of sound, just kind of expanded a little bit with a little bit more money behind it, so it sounds a little bit less like it's coming out of like a dingy garage and a little bit more like it's actually been made. So uh, that came out in 2003, um, and it has some really great tracks. Some of their best ones are on there. One is called Reptilia, which is a very, very, very popular track, which I al I've always loved that track. So if you've never listened to that, I highly recommend it. But um, they eventually, after that second record, they started to do a little bit more experimentation, and it's kind of considered a bit of a fall-off for the band. They had a couple of records come out after it. Um, one was called First Impressions of Earth, and then the turn of the decade came around, and they did, I believe, Angles after that. And then they did Come Down Machine in 2013. But um, the reason I bring this band up is because they recently released a new song called At The Door, I believe, in 2020, which is seven years after that last record. And I took special note of it because I thought it was incredible. I thought Julian's voice was e extremely different this time around in that it wasn't that raspy sort of sound. It was very clean and very... Um, it was able to hit very high notes that I did not know he could do, and it was incredibly pretty. It used a lot more production as opposed to like a rock outfit in the background, and um, I saw it as a really nice change of pace for the band, and um, I'm about to pronounce another word, so hopefully I do it correctly, but the album cover for this new record is a Basquiat painting, is that correct? Basquiat. Basquiat painting, um, and it's really pretty. Like, I immediately want to buy the record, not not even because I know it's going to be good or not. I hope it is, but I just think it's an incredible painting, and I want to own it to frame. So, um, it looks like a uh, VHS tape. It looks kind of like a VHS tape. So, um, yeah, it's incredible, incredible cover, and I think that new song is indicative of a really nice direction for the band, and I hope that that single which is very good i hope that that sort of continues with the rest of the album and that they sort of get that return to form um and just as like a side note julian has other side projects that he does he has solo work that's very good um he has another band called the voids which he has two records with um one album's called tyranny i believe and then the second one was called virtue um, and those are both very good records too. They're a little bit different, a little bit more uh, production heavy, but uh, I think those are also well worth checking out. So yeah, that's The Strokes. Um, highly recommend. I know they're a very popular band, but I think anyone who hasn't heard them deserves to hear them because they're incredible. Um, another band that I want to talk about is called MGMT, um, and it's short for management. Um, they came around in sort of the mid-2000s. It was two brothers or not two brothers, it's my bad. They were two uh, guys that met in college. So they roomed together and they um, sort of bonded over their love for music and they decided to make a band together. And they would play shows at their college and people ended up really, really liking it. Not even just because like, oh, it's this band that was on campus that plays music. It's like they're legitimately good at what they do. And what they ended up doing was they both bonded over alternative music. So they didn't necessarily want to go for like a poppy, you know, whatever sellout sort of thing. So what they decided to do was make their first album and make a bunch of songs that weren't meant for radio, essentially. They wanted to show their artistic prowess without trying to sell out. But they included three songs on that album at sort of... At the... Um, labels uh 
decision making. So they re- they released three songs with it as singles because they had to essentially, and they were called "Kids," "Time to Pretend," and "Electric Feel." And the deeply ironic thing about that is that those are the three singles that anybody ever heard from that album, and they're all incredible songs. And it's insanely sad to hear about because those songs everybody loves to hear and the band hates to play them because they were specifically designed as songs for them to sell out and not play because they wanted to but because they can make money so the band ended up trying to go in a different direction after that they were successful but not for the reasons they wanted to be so they went in and they created a new record and i believe 2010 called congratulations which um, it's a little bit more um, heavy on production. It's catchier, but not trying to necessarily sell out. It has really interesting, you know, rhythmic textures and that kind of stuff. Um, long, long songs are on there, really short songs. I believe the longest song is like 12 and a half minutes, which even I can barely do. Um, but it was incredibly interesting to listen to. And uh, I think it was a success. I think it did really well critically, but it wasn't necessarily um, successful in the sense that the first singles were for that first record. Um, So that went decently well for them. And then they released their third album in 2013 called uh, just MGMT. It was self-titled. And it did not do as well. And I believe that was due to the fact that they were going even more into the non-pop approach. And people finally sort of fell off of that idea. So um, coming back around, I believe a couple years later, they released their fourth album, which is very, very, very good, called Little Dark Age in 2018. Um, And it's really interesting album cover, too, because I just love album covers, so I like to talk about them. It's, I believe, supposed to look like a lithograph a little bit, but it's like a yellow background, but it's like sort of a lithographic texture. It's a really interesting cover. Um, and I highly recommend listening to the album and looking at that cover just because I think it's really pretty. But um, it has some really interesting singles on it. And what they did is they didn't compromise their artistic vision on that album. But instead, they sort of fused pop appeal with um, experimentation in a way that I think anybody would enjoy. So there are a lot of really incredible songs that I think are really... Uh, interesting to listen to not necessarily because they're you know super poppy or whatever but because that people will actually find like oh this is what they wanted to do um some of the songs off of that album that i really really like are the self-titled track little dark age is really really good um me and michael is an incredible track and um handed over is very very good um so they're i believe coming out with a new record in 2022 um there's I don't know what the name of it is called. I don't know if it's come out yet, but they released a single called In the Afternoon, which is very, very dark sounding, but in like a dark synth pop way, which I think will be really fun. Um, but I enjoyed that single a lot, so I recommend listening to it. Um, and then I guess the last band I really want to talk about um, is My Bloody Valentine, which is from early 90s. Um, it's an older rock band. Um, and it's headed by Belinda Butcher and Kevin Shields, and they both do vocals on the tracks. So it's a male and a female vocalist, and they sort of switch off per song. Um, and they sort of deal with guitar textures in their music, which is, I think, very interesting. So what they'll do is they will record a guitar, 
and then layer that guitar over a guitar playing over that, but it's very slightly different just due to human error, and then they'll do it again. So they'll have like three or four of these guitars going on at the same time, and they're very slightly different, so it sounds kind of distorted, but it's still kind of melding into something altogether new. And that's sort of the basis for a lot of their music is they will record over things a couple of times. So um, it's extremely, extremely interesting. And they didn't necessarily make it off the ground with a bunch of different albums. They're sort of just known for one. Um, but that album is called Loveless. Um, and the band is from Dublin. So it might be um, a reference to the idea of Loveless and Lawless from uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge. But I'm not positive on that. Um, but I think that's an interesting theory, but, um, the music is just very, very, well, it's very loud. Um, I believe at their concerts they they've been recorded at like 120 or 130 decibels, which is really, really, really loud. Um, but it's incredibly visceral music. It's incredibly nostalgic. It's incredibly pretty to listen to. Um, and some of the tracks I really, really like from that album are When You Sleep, Only Shallow, Loomer, and what you want. I think all of those are really, really good. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that band as well. Um, so just sort of going off of that, I have a couple of things I just wanted to sort of touch base on. Um, so I kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, I kind of just wanted to see, uh, just kind of create a little dialogue about if album covers sort of matter when it comes to enjoying music. So I know for me personally, I may like a song a lot, but if I look down at Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, and it's like an MS Paint drawing of something, it's just not very, it doesn't make you want to listen to it as much as if it was like, you know, a painting or something, in my personal opinion. Shelby's looking at me like I'm, I'm absolutely wrong. I always loved listening to MS Paint music. Honestly, maybe that was a bad decision. MS Paint slaps, but, <laughs> I mean, I, in my personal opinion, I just feel like, if I really enjoy the art that goes with the music, I feel like it only it can only enhance it, if that makes sense. But um, I just kind of wanted to see, like, I'm not sure if I'm correct in that assumption, but I feel like all of the music I personally enjoy has something to do with the art that comes with it. Like, I feel like if I listen to two identical albums and the only difference was the album cover, I would absolutely choose the one with the nicer one first. But I'm not sure if that's just me. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there as sort of an idea. Because I think it's interesting to think about when you listen to music. Um, I have created a playlist for this uh, podcast. So what I decided to do, I thought about it over the summer. And I wanted to figure out a way to sort of incorporate a playlist into this podcast. To sort of have people either understand what I listen to or maybe bring guests' musical tastes into a playlist. I just wanted to see what might be the most interesting thing to do. So I asked around and I sort of decided to incorporate specific songs that I thought were interesting based on each individual podcast or based on what I was listening to. So it's a really nice sort of grouping of stuff that I'm listening to, that other people are listening to. It might be popular, it might not be, it might be new, it might be old. So it's just kind of everything, but it's all stuff that I think people listening would be interested in. So I've already added a couple of songs to it. It's just called Seth Spins, if you're interested. It's on Spotify. I'm going to make an Apple Music link. Um, but it's Seth Spins, and, um, that's pretty much it on that, but, um, there's just a bunch of different songs on there right now, I'm still attempting to work that out, 
but um, if anybody is interested in that, please look into it because I made it because I thought people would enjoy it. Um, so yeah, Seth Spins, that's the name of the playlist. Um, just sort of the last thing is um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about music organization. And what I mean by that, because I know it's kind of confusing, is um, when you're setting up your playlists, your liked songs, your anything in uh, your preferred streaming service, so Spotify or Apple Music or, you know, whatever else you happen to use. I think I've heard people use, like, YouTube Music sometimes or, like, Google Play. I don't, I, I'm just the messenger. I don't know if that's, like, a thing people actually use, but I've heard of it, which is weird. But, um, <laughs> but, um... So I, I decided to sort of organize my music in a very specific way, and uh, I just wanted to put it out there because I think it makes me sort of enjoy what I'm listening to more than if I just sort of had everything saved under one big umbrella that I couldn't sort through. So what I decided to do was, um, after looking up different ways to do it because I didn't want to do it incorrectly and waste all my time, I decided for at least Spotify in a way, this does not apply to Apple Music, I don't think, but um, I figured out that you can make group playlists. So what a group playlist is, is that you can, I believe it's Control-Shift-N on your computer, and what it does is it creates a folder that you can put playlists into, not songs. So what I decided to do is I would save albums as playlists, and then I put related albums into a group playlist, and that group playlist would be a genre. So essentially breaking that down, I have a folder of a group folder called pop music and I click on that and then every single album that I've ever saved that falls under pop music goes into that folder and let's say I have like a rock group playlist I click on that and then all of the albums that I've saved are saved as playlists under rock that fall under that genre and you could do this so many different ways but it's just made my life a lot easier if I say oh I want to listen to a folk album I click folk and acoustic and then all of those genres artists pull up which I, I just thought was very interesting and very useful um, and then uh, this is more specific to me but I think it's still interesting to note is I also have a couple other group playlists I thought were interesting um, I created one for curated playlists so what that means is if you've ever looked at any sort of music publication or music magazine they usually have like best new tracks or like Friday's new tracks or uh, tracks of the week or anything like that. So anytime I find one of those that I'm interested in, I'll put it under the curated playlist thing. So I know right now I have um, Consequence of Sounds, I have uh, Stereo Gum's favorite new music of the week, The Faders, Songs You Need in Your Life, Enemies' best new tracks, Pigeons and Planes, NPR Music's New Music Friday, Pitchfork's best new music, uh, I have Billboard Hot 100, I don't even know why I have that. Um, best New Music from Complex, uh, Days Magazine, um, so anything that comes from like a publication or some sort of independent label or anything like that, I just threw in there. And then the other one I did, because I didn't really know where to put these if I ever wanted to save them, were artist playlists. So if you look at a lot of different bands or artists, they'll have like music that inspired this album or songs I'm listening to. And I think for me personally, I think that's super interesting because it obviously influences what they make. So I decided to put all those into a playlist in and of itself. So I have one with um, like Father John Misty's Father John Misty playlist, which is extremely chaotic, by the way. It's a great playlist. Um, I have like Lord's Homemade Dynamite, which is an incredibly interesting playlist. Um, and I believe that one inspired melodrama. 
I believe. So that was that was a really interesting one to listen to. Uh, Jamie XX has a playlist, which is very interesting. Uh, both of the Daft Punk uh, guys also have individual playlists, which I found, which I thought was super interesting. Um, Kim Petras has a playlist, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I would love to see how other people sort of organize what they listen to because I feel like it makes it a lot easier to find new stuff and to listen to old stuff you enjoy more. Because I know for me, it's like, before I did this, I had a lot of trouble finding stuff that I liked if it just sort of got buried under other stuff I saved. But now it's like, oh, I listened to that, you know, eight, whatever, million years ago, and now I can still find it. So um, I I really enjoyed having it, and uh, I just kind of wanted to talk about that. and then I just have a bunch of other, like, random playlists that, like, people recommend me or something that just kind of float around. But, um, that's all I really have. Um, but, um, definitely, I guess sort of moral of the story is look into bands that you enjoy. Sort of look into what their history is in, with regards to how they were formed, what they were trying to do, and where they're going. Because I feel like that'll make you enjoy a lot of their music more and make you sort of want to dive into their albums or their discography more than necessarily just their singles or top radio hits. So I I highly recommend it because it's made listening to music more enjoyable for me, and I think it would make music more enjoyable for a lot of other people too. So um, I know I only recommended like four bands as of right now, but um, it's honestly not that difficult to think of. Like I just think of anything I enjoy, listen to the band, and then just go through the discography so highly recommend doing that but um that's pretty much it um if anything seems interesting to you please look into it um i'll go ahead and talk about it one more time uh, i listen to uh, mgmt which is short for management uh the strokes my bloody valentine and fleet foxes were the four i talked about so if any of those interest you please look into them because i think they're incredible um That's pretty much it, though. So uh, this is Seth Chambliss um, with Seth Spins, and thank you so much for listening.